Vanessa. Who do who? That was Maple Leaf Rag. That was the number one song in the whole country in the 1920s. I was like, what is that? I thought it was Snoopy. <laughs> oh, that was Maple Leaf Rag. It was the first like um, major selling album. It was a black man. Um, I'll have to remember what his name is uh, by the end of the episode. It'll come to me in a second. But um, yeah, girl, <laughs> I was like, it's so funny when I was listening to it. I was picturing me and you in a silent film. You know, like a black and then you'd be like, you know, you 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 know how you're kind of dramatic. You could be good in the silence. Oh, I know how to act this. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> we should try to do one for the people next time we're together. That's the challenge. We're going to try to do a silent film <laughs> explaining uh, the Girl Check movement. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. Listen, everybody. I just want to be 100% real with y'all. I'm literally taking this walk from gate C4 in the Akron Airport, <laughs> headed out on vacation, y'all. Listen, Ooh, this is the first Shout time. out to vacations. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be able to take time off. Vanessa, I'm so grateful to have a partner like you so I can take time off and really log off and know that yeah. things will just be great and that I'll come back and it will be better. And that makes me feel really grateful. So how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful uh, day here in D.C. I got up very early this morning. I'm disciplining my body to become a morning person, which I am not a morning person. And so I usually like to wake up approximately 9 a.m., but that doesn't work, y'all, if you're going to be an executive. <laughs> In the business world, it doesn't work. You cannot work. I don't work for social networkers. And so I'm learning to wake up at like 5.36 so that I can have some morning time, this actual morning time before I'm like on the Zoom with my like sleep in my eyes. So it's a good practice. It's a good, or just stay up late at night and have your your personal time too if your body says otherwise or Vanessa you're going on I'm really an afternoon you're person cool. Morgan that's what I'm trying to say like the night times I'm sleepy I want to go <laughs> like I know it's like not no my best time is 120 in the afternoon like if you want to hit me up that's pretty much when I've hit my stride <laughs> well 120 you should block off and take a walk and take yourself to lunch every single day and just plan all your meetings I before should. that and after that and take your best time yeah and 120 in the afternoon is when I was born. I just realized this as I'm telling this to you. So maybe this is actually some sort of connection. Exactly. Ooh, it is connection. What day of the week were you born? Do you know? That's a good question. I don't know. Let's find out. I'm about to tell you what your African name is. I'll tell you what all the African names okay. are in another yeah. at some point. Yeah. I'll put it on Instagram. Oh, I did find mine before it was. I think I was, uh, mine is the name on Tuesday. I feel like that, if that makes sense. When I went to uh, Ghana, they told me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't memorize all of, I didn't memorize all of them. Okay, but yeah, yeah. So if, you're if you're born on Tuesday, everybody, you wonder why people. Oh, born I was born on Saturday. I was born on Saturday. This makes sense because Saturdays are my jam. Saturdays at 120 is when I'm hitting every, every week. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I was born on Friday, and Fridays are my jam, too. I literally just hit yeah. a wall, and I just stare at the computer. I can't do nothing else. <laughs> anyway, so, girl, today I've been looking, I've been dreaming about today's episode for two nights in a row. Do you know why, Vanessa? Because I feel like why? this might be a revelation to me personally. To me and my okay. body and my brain and my spirit personally, Vanessa. So, for the people... Let's take a reminder back to the year that I met you, 1990, what was it, six? 
I think it was 96. It might have been 97. 95. Honestly, I think it might have been 97, but. Because did I meet you after, after the years with that man? When I went to Sacramento, yeah. got to college. I, yeah, I you, you was literally, that. literally at the tail end. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so this will happen. I don't know if I told you this story. I'm driving down the 101 highway in LA with this man. And I say, you know what? I think I really want to be a filmmaker. And he said, you need to get a real job first. That was it. That was conversation, but that's, that was it. Period. That was it. Period. That one little, you need to get a real job first. Took my life in a whole different direction because this man who was nine years older than me was my first real relationship. The first man I lived with in sin. <laughs> like, <laughs> told me this on the 101, Vanessa. And I was foolish enough to listen to this man. Now, Vanessa, let's give it to the people. Vanessa was going to UCLA doing theater, one of the best schools in the whole country for theater. I was going to the University of Southern California, which is arguably the best school for film. That's where Steven Spielberg went. <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably I should have pursued that. Probably he <laughs> should have. But you know what I did, Vanessa? I changed my major to business. <laughs> I changed my major to business. Which... I got an internship at DLJ, and that's how I met. Which is how we met. Laugh. God is God good. Has a laugh, yes, laugh. God yes, is good. Yes, God is good. And still, do not let no man deter you from your dreams, y'all. I was oh, right God. there where I could have been the next Steven Spielberg. And it really was something in my heart. And if I have learned nothing else from Black History Bootcamp, I have learned that it is never too late to change the world and to do what you want to do. So, y'all, I am declaring right here. This is why I was excited about this episode. I'm declaring Ooh. right here, even if it's on my new iPhone, I'm going to start making some films, y'all. I'm going to yeah. tell you why I was inspired. So, today's Black History Bootcamp is about a man named Oscar Michaud. Vanessa, had you heard about Oscar uh-huh. Michaud before we started? I hadn't. Oh my God, it's so good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Okay, so there's no Spike Lee without Oscar Michaud. There's no okay. fill in the blank without Oscar Michaud. There's no black filmmakers without Oscar Michaud. In fact, to this date, he is the most prolific black filmmaker of all time. He wrote seven books, he wrote, mm-hmm. produced, and distributed 44 films. and created what we know as Black Hollywood. 44 films, Vanessa. And he was doing it like uh, Master P. Like, he was like, y'all want to distribute distribute Black films? Let me tell you from the beginning, this man was born in the 1880s. First of all, the first thing you need to know is he was born January 2nd, which makes him what zodiac sign, Vanessa? A Capricorn. Like, do you guys say what's the fuck to your voice? What's the fuck to your voice? <laughs> <laughs> Capricorn. Man, these Capricorns be making history, y'all. They be making history. He's, he's a Capricorn. He was born in the 1880s. But what that means from what we learned, Vanessa, is that by the time he grew up, he was a contemporary of all of the people that you talked about yesterday, of Zora Neale Hurston, of Wallace Thurman, County Cullen. He grew up in that era. So I'm just... I want you to keep that, hold on to that 
while you, because mm-hmm. he took a completely different path than them. And that to me is exciting. It also means we were talking about the Freedmen's Bureau. If he was born in 1880, his parents were born into slavery in, in 1865, right? Or 18, you know, 1863. And that everything that we talked about, about the Freedmen's Bureau and Reconstruction happened to his parents. Okay, so that keep that in mind, keep that in mind, keep that in mind. We talk about bathrooms. Listen, I'm pulling it all together for this film. All of it. I want y'all to know who this man was. Okay, so here goes Vanessa. Oscar Michelle was born in 1880. Yo, his family escaped the terror of the Black Codes and Reconstruction down in the South and moved the family to Illinois. Now, they lived in a place called Metropolis, Illinois, which is why sometimes people call Oscar Michaud the Superman of black film because Metropolis, Illinois is where Superman was born. Okay, so that's a good little fact where you'd be like, I was going to ask, I was going to ask, I was like, wait, Metropolis is a real place? It's a real place. It's where Superman was in the story. So he was born in Metropolis, Illinois. So his dad got all these um, acres, and his dad was owned by some French people, which is why their last name was Michelle. They added the E for some flair. But guess what his middle name was? I was like, if you're going to be a filmmaker, you're a filmmaker, okay? His name is Oscar Devereaux Michelle. Yep. (laughs) If you're going to be the filmmaker, get you an Oscar Devereaux Michelle name. So Oscar Devereaux Michelle, I'm about to say it all the time like that. It sounds good. His parents were owned by French people. That's why he had a French name, but he was black and black. Okay. So he was in Illinois and his, ooh, see, I'm glad I told y'all what they lie. Y'all hear this in the airport? I uh, know. I was like, I hope your airplane ain't leaving. <laughs> Get yourself on a vacation. No Egypt air is coming in. Dubai. I'm getting on Rwanda air. No, it ain't leaving, but I just want to tell the truth in life. Y'all get yourself on a vacation. Book it today. This is this is the sign that you've been waiting for. Book yourself a vacation today. YouTube Vanessa, book yourself a vacation. So Oscar Devereaux Michaud, his brother moved to the big city of Chicago, Vanessa. So he was like, I ain't about to be on this plantation one generation from sharecropping. This is not the life I have in my, in my mind for myself. So, right. so at 16, he moved to Chicago to live with his brother. Here go to Shady Park. His brother lived on the south side of Chicago in a rooming house, kind of like Gordon O'Hurston. His brother was paying zero rent at the rooming house. Because, you know, he done made some arrangements. They was cute boys. I don't know how, how what arrangements he made. Okay. Don't stop questioning him. Vanessa, why he charged his brother yeah. $6 a month? <laughs> like, that's why you because... can't with your own brother. <laughs> well, and also sometimes you got to charge your family. Yeah, I was about to say, sometimes no, you no. got to charge your family. No. No. So he. this is the time when you can imagine 4 million enslaved black people have been freed, right? And so everybody was rushing to these big places like Chicago. Well, there were hardly any jobs. So he's looking for jobs everywhere, Vanessa. He's working at the stockyards. He said it was like the walking dead there. It was so hard. They made no money. It was just like crazy. He did this. He did that. And finally, because he's entrepreneurial, he started a shoe shine stand in a real highfalutin like black barbershop and he started making some money. He started holding his money, holding his money, holding his money. But Vanessa, the most prestigious job in all of America at the time in Chicago was what, Vanessa? Here go your Black History Boot Camp quiz. Newspaper boy? Nope. I'm going to give you a hint. A. Philip Randolph. Oh, Pullman Porter. 
Vanessa, young, fine, Oscar, Deborah, Michelle. Hello. Hello. Oh. Hi. <laughs> Them Amtrak men be looking fine too, Vinyl Morgan. If you done been on the Amtrak between DC and New York, they be having a little caps on. And they just be looking real fine. They really do. <laughs> they be looking good. And I had seen them ancestral pulling porter pictures and I was looking at them. I was zooming in like these men is fine. One time when we, I was going to meet you in New York, Morgan, remember when I asked the guy on the train who was a better conductor, him or Harriet Tubman? <laughs> yeah, he was Sorry. like, ladies, one thing I loved about this part of the story is that there were no jobs for the Pullman porters. You had all these. So there's this great documentary. I put a link for the first eight minutes of the documentary. Then you got to, you know, support black filmmakers and go support the rest of it, y'all. Mm-hmm. But um, the first eight minutes is great. But um, one of the things they said in the documentary is that Lincoln freed the slaves. Um, but the man who did um, the Pullman, his last name is Mr. Pullman, employed them mm-hmm. because he was the biggest mm-hmm. employer of black people after slavery. But it was super competitive, you know, because we had the skills to to serve wealthy white people. So we knew how to do that. And it was really, really, really a coveted job because not only do you have proximity to wealth, like very only wealthy people took the railway, but you also could travel the country you had heard about. Right. So you could travel the country. Mm. And then there was a really cool thing. So he got he got the job. He went and applied and applied. He said he would apply twice a week. So don't give up on your dreams, y'all. He would apply twice a week, and finally he got in. He was like, bet, right? So he's a Pullman porter. He's looking all fine. He got his own high uniform, and he went through the West, Vanessa, like Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, Colorado. It blew his mind. If you have never traveled through the West, y'all do it in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, that's a vacation people should book. Mm-hmm. Yes, go to the Tetons. It is gorgeous. It is mind blowing. It is disorienting in how beautiful it is. Come to Colorado for the Girl Check Stress Protest. Wait for the registration. It's coming out next week. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, that's so good. Yes, stressprotest.com. All right. So he got on that westbound line, Vanessa. It blew his mind. And he was like, I can't actually mm-hmm. go back the south side of Chicago. I can't even go back to the city. So he had a plan and he started cracking this plan, Vanessa. And what he did is, you know what I'm talking about. I can't remember the name of the watch the film. But essentially, he started having side hustles on the Pullman Porters. And you could get fired for that. But mm-hmm. like, they stop at a place. And that lady you told us about yesterday who was doing laundry, he would be like, well, you know, yes. I have a lady Colorado who could do your laundry. And then she would break him off some and then he would charge them people on the train a little bit more. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was right. this kind of thing that was really prohibited. And so, but all of the Pullman porters did it and that's how they became rich, not from the wages that Pullman gave them, right? And so that's how they became rich because there was a lot of money on that train. So he started doing that, which was his entrepreneurial hustle. And he got that hustle on and he started stacking up his money, Vanessa. And the first thing he did is buy himself some land. And he bought himself some land out west. I think it was in Wyoming, wide open, and became a farmer homesteader. We call them homesteaders because he owned his own land. He was not a sharecropper. He was not paying tenant or contract to some other person. He owned his own land. He came from a father who was a sharecropper, and he became a homesteader. Now, if you remember, like we were talking about the lady who opened up the first postal railroad, what's her name? Mary. Stagecoach Mary, who carried the rifle. Yes. She was also a homesteader. Bass Reeves, all of them, they were considered homesteaders. He was so inspired 
by like the natural landscape, by the fact that as a homesteader, he felt like a true and full man for the first time, that he was equal mm-hmm. to even his neighbors, that the West was just hard on everybody. So he was able to, race didn't really matter up in those parts of the world at that time. Being a cowboy, being a homesteader, being a survivor mattered. So he just felt like read and so he was so inspired by it he wrote his first novel and it was called the homesteader and it was a breakout hit because it described the black experience in the west and so immediately hollywood wanted to contract his book turn it into a film and make a blockbuster because his book was so popular and vanessa he said no Uh he said unless i'm directing it Vanessa, what no audacity? Yes. He said, unless I'm directing yeah. it, you're not to take my story. I said, you better go ahead. I'm yes. never robust. Okay. So, and that's a lesson for all of us. That's a number one lesson. Okay. Lesson. He didn't do it. And then he produced and distributed the film himself. And it became a hit, Vanessa. Everybody wanted to see it. Everybody watched it. It was distributed everywhere. And from there, he created... 43 other films. Some of them were silent films. Some of them were talkies. And Paul Robeson was in some of his films. I mean, it was amazing, but that's what oh. I heard about. It was amazing to me. But one film in particular I want to tell you all about, and then I'll wrap up today's Black History Bootcamp, is, okay, so... I told y'all about Reconstruction. I told y'all when the government and the Freedom Bureau was trying to get Black people set and give them 40 acres and a mule, get them into Congress, or like, you know, reparations, reparations, hashtag reparations, right? During Reconstruction, the defeated South were sore losers. They got mad. All of those people became the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan was founded. Well, right after that happened, there was a movie that came out called The Birth of a Nation. And it was yep. basically white supremacist propaganda that propaganda. like made the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, that made the Ku Klux I've been on these um, cloaked horses, but they were looking like the Lone Ranger, which we already know was Bass Reeves and not a white man. But did you know, you know they screened the birth of a nation, I think, at the White House at the time? Yes. Yes. Because what was happening is they were trying to figure out what America was actually going to be. And so this was this kind of epic film that showed like all the different parts of America, all the different players, the North, the South, the Klan, the Black people, whatever. But it made Black people look like animals, Vanessa. I mean, it like every single racist stereotype that we were feeling that we were doing. I mean, it was horrible. And it made the Ku Klux Klan look like the heroes, these like vigilantes coming out to save a damsel in distress. And, you know, it was one of those kind of movies, right? It was a massive hit because everybody was trying to figure out what America was going to be. The film director had a point of view. He, he did it like Gone in the Wind. It was epic. It was like it, films had just came out. It was the biggest film of the time, The Birth of a Nation. Vanessa. Mm. Oscar Musso created <laughs> an answer to that film. And that was the film that I did a recap of. It was a sophisticated race movie that talked about the fact that it was actually white terrorism that was the demise Uh, of America, that it was not these kind of savage black people coming out to try to steal your white woman in the middle of the night. No, 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 no. It was the fact that people had raped our women. It was the fact that the white liberals were throwing charity at us when we were dignified humans. It was the fact that there was violence still on the plantation. There was violence still in the sharecropping agreements. 
his film featured a black family that had a mother and a father that adopted a black girl who had been the product of rape from a black woman and her mask. I mean, just it was a sophisticated and pointed treatment of race and racism in America. Vanessa, mm. they tried to ban his movie. They tried to ban his movie and it made it sexier. And it became such a huge yeah. hit as a response to Birth of a Nation. Like, no, 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 this is what race looks like in America. This is my point of view. And I'm just so proud of him for, write, for writing that film, for being brave enough to do it. He said it was his own take. He wasn't even in response to them, but it was so poignant and it was epic in its own right and it had a different point of view. So he became a filmmaker with the um, American film, oh God, I don't remember the name of it, but it was the first black film company. And these men together financed films, distributed films, and they became known as Black Hollywood. This is Oscar mm. Michelle. I want you all to remember his name because the black cinema we know today, even Tyler Perry is really following in Oscar Michaud's um, footsteps with his production studio in Atlanta. He never physically mm -hmm. moved to um, Hollywood because they always tried to censor what he was going to say because all of his films were race films. Well, I was really proud, actually, mm. that finally, to this day, he actually just got a star on the Walk of Fame for his contribution to American cinema. And so Ooh, somebody should walk by his star and take a picture. Yes. Hashtag Black History Bootcamp so we can all see. So that's the story for today. I was so happy to read it. I was so reinvigorated and inspired. I love people I love who that. rally their entire community. First of all, and so who is the crew in this story? I was asking myself that. I was mm -hmm. like, the crew is every single person who bought a ticket to his film. The crew is every single Black yes. film crew who came and didn't know if they were going to get paid, but believed in the story, believed in the art. And it just reminds me of so many people in Girl Trek movement who volunteer here, who take pictures, who do all sorts of things in order to make something they believe in happen, an alternative narrative, a different story. So I was just super inspired by the story today oh, and I, I wanted to this. share it all with you guys. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to, first of all, ask you what your favorite Black movie of all time is. If we had like a historic vault, like in middle school, and you had to, well, they do have that. I think it's called like the National. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> where they be putting movies in what movie would you okay color purple out everybody will put the color purple. Uh, oh okay what movie would you put in a vault for the next generation a musty movie oh wow that's a good question well color purple out because you know that's my favorite movie <laughs> it would either be <laughs> it's like uh my two other favorite movies after The Color Purple are The Five Heartbeats and Menace to Society. And so it would be <laughs> one of those two. We yeah. got to give you two tickets. We got to give you two tickets yeah. for the vault. First of all, Menace to Society is Oscar Micheaux epic. And anybody yeah. who don't know that Menace is an epic film, it just is. And who did it that? Just it is. was um, who's oh, a filmmaker. Not the brothers, right? Not the Hughes brothers? Oh, I think it was the Hughes brothers. I think it was the Hughes brothers. Yeah, Correct us if I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those are two good. What was yeah, the, what was the I other love one? That Menace movie. and Menace to Society and Five Higher Beats. Yeah. I mean, it just got so much. It just redemption and community <laughs> and talk about a crew. Like, right? It just has everything. <laughs> My friend told me on the crew edition we should have did the Usher Board of America. 
But yeah, I love uh, the five so much. In high school, we watched it every single day for like our whole sophomore year. I love the five heartbeats yeah. so much. I'd put Malcolm X in there. Speaking of uh, high schools, by the way, I would put Malcolm X in the vote, not only because in high school, because it's also just an excellent movie, but in high school, talking about the black teachers who you were shouting out yesterday, a black teacher at my school at Garfield took the whole school to see Malcolm X. We just got off. We got on the bus. We left out of class. We all went downtown to the movie theater. We got all the theaters and we all watched it during school. It was so good. Oh, that's genius. I used to get in trouble for showing so many movies in my history class. And I'll be like, but these books suck. I know, exactly. But Glory is excellent. And so is Malcolm X. So we all watch this. If I had to pick to close us out, first of all, tell us what movie you would pick to put in the vault. The Oscar Micheaux historical black movie vault that we are creating in our imaginations. What would you put in the vault? I really want to know. Um, I would put Purple Rain in there. Rest in peace. Yes. Prince. But the real one that I would put in, Vanessa, is how we're going to end today's show. Is The Wiz. Oh, God, yes. Of course, The Wiz has to go in there, Morgan. So I want to close out on a song from The Wiz that is a lullaby to me and everybody who has a dream deferred. I want you guys to believe in yourselves and I want you to go after your dreams and I will hold you to it if you hold me to it. So let's roll it out. Anything you want to say to the people, Vanessa? Enjoy your walk. All right. Bye, everybody.